Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how the Bible, Holy Spirit, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. You guys excited to get into God's Word today? Yeah? So, so good. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Let's just pray in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to have community within this church. God, we thank you that your plans for us are to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. God, we thank you that, that those same plans apply to Canada. And so we thank you for the leaders that we have within this city, within this country, within this world, God. And we thank you that they're continuing to lead this amazing country of Canada into your will, your best plan for us, God. We thank you that we just, you just fill them with joy, with, with peace, with strength. We thank you that whatever ones aren't continuing to lead this country into your will, God, we thank you that we can remove them and we can just elect someone even better that can continue to just push your will through Canada and through this world, God. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus and everyone in agreement said, amen and amen, amen and amen. You know, when I was preparing for this message, lately this, God, these, these types of things that happen for me is like these, these messages are are a little more hard-hitting. They a little more ruffle some feathers. They a little more step on some toes. I hope you guys are okay with that because I know for me, I love sitting. I love being encouraged. I love being in a spot where uh, I can learn something new. But if I'm not leaving with something that I was tested with or an action point or something that maybe did ruffle my feathers a little bit for me to really start to dive into God's word, I feel like an encouragement is great, which you'll get today. Don't worry. But at the same point, I feel like I want to strengthen my relationship with God. And when, and when we strengthen our relationship with God, it almost always comes from someone that shares something that tests what you're believing, tests what you think, tests what you, what you have to go into God's word all the time. Our pastor, Leon, back in the day used to always say, look, go to God's word after I'm done preaching and look it for yourself. That's just how the word of God works. We all have to continue to dive in. And so today... I, uh, my message title today, which I will, ma- it will make sense as I, fr- as I go through it, it's called Pardons, Power, Pieces, Shower. Pardons, Power, Pieces, Shower, okay? It'll make sense. Just give it some time, okay? And we, we start this message, and the heart of this message was created after this, uh, this verse that we find in Philippians from St. The, the Paul, and he was saying, writing to the church of Philippi, and it says this in Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What an amazing verse. What an amazing passage. Now, for many of us, we know Paul's history. Many of us probably don't know Paul's history. And so for me to go into my message, I need to do a quick little synopsis of who Paul was. Because when you, when you understand who Paul was, you'd never guess he'd get to this point of pro- proclaiming the word of Jesus and sharing the message of Jesus with everyone that he came into contact with. Because back in the day, we'd have to rewind, because uh, it was quite the journey of Saul who turned into Paul. So back in the day, Saul or Paul was named Saul of 
Tarsus, and he was known for persecuting Christians, for trying to stop the early church movement. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, Christianity spread like wildfire. And Saul, back in the day, who is Paul now, was very scared of this rapidly spreading Christianity because it's going to start to step on Judaism. And so he was pushing so hard to persecute Christians so that we would never, ever get to a point where he was stuck in his ways of knowing that Judaism was the way to go. He was a zealous Pharisee. He was a devout Pharisee. He believed in Judaism right to his very core. And he viewed the Christian community as a threat to Judaism. Now, the persecution that happened in Jerusalem with Saul, he participated in many persecutions. And one of the, the most prominent ones that he was there for was the stoning of a man named Stephen. Stephen was one of the early church disciples of Jesus. He was stoned to death for his faith. And Saul of Tarsus, who now is Paul, was present in that stoning. So you know that this persecution just ran deep within Saul's blood and bones and body to be persecuting Christians. Now, this got, went even further because... Um, it marked the beginning, this stoning marked the beginning of a severe persecution against the believers in Jerusalem, with Saul playing a huge role in apprehending and imprisoning Christians. Crazy. Now you start to really think about the verse I just read. How does one guy go from there to there like that? Well, it's only one word, and it's Jesus. It's one person. It's the only way that that transformative power could come over someone that would go from persecuting Christians to proclaiming God's word to people. That's amazing. That's something that we can look at and go, oh my goodness, this is phenomenal. Now, the, per the pursuit of Christians that Saul had to persecute them, he, um, in the Bible we see his just zealous determination to suppress the Christian movement. That was all he wanted to do to the point where he obtained letters from the high priest in Jerusalem and traveled to Damascus with the intention of arresting and bringing back Christians to face punishment in Jerusalem. Unbelievable. Now, this is where God steps in, Jesus steps in, and it's in a really cool story of the conversion of Saul to Paul, the conversion of an unbeliever who persecuted Christians to the conversion of a Christian who uplifted and encouraged and shared God's word to the followers of Jesus and the then known world. So in Damascus, he was on his way to Damascus, like I just said, to arrest, imprison, and bring back Christians so he could persecute them. Now, while he was walking to Damascus, the Bible talks about a bright light shone upon him, and it was Jesus. And the question that Jesus asked Saul in this moment, he heard the voice of Jesus, and he said, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Now, I don't know about you, but if you're living your life and maybe you're thinking you're doing the right thing and then all of a sudden you have this experience with Jesus and you hear him say to you, why are you persecuting me? That would be an unbelievable situation for me to be in and go, what? I, I didn't think I was. Maybe I did think I was. I don't know what's going on. I'm in this spot where I don't know what to do, where to go. And Jesus just said, oh, why are you persecuting me? me. Obviously, this spot was a massive turning point for Saul. Now, Saul, it says that the, the, the light shined so bright that it actually made him blind. And he continued his journey to Damascus as a blind man and stayed in Damascus for three days, didn't eat, didn't, didn't drink, and was blind. 
And this is where I love the healing power and the forgiveness that we see from God. In Damascus, a disciple named Ananias received a vision from the Lord instructing him to go to Saul and restore his sight. Take a pause right there for a second. If you have someone in your life that's persecuting your family, your kids, who you are, where you're going, trying to, trying to just push down what, what you're trying to get through in the world that you live in, the last thing you'd want to do is see this person get healed as the flesh, okay? Stick with me. Stick with me. Obviously, we are Christians, and we need to still love that healing can come to those that maybe are missing God's mark too. But in that moment, some people would have been like, no, I don't want this. But God viewed that and spoke to Ananias in the moment and said, go to Saul and heal him. Unbelievable. It's amazing. We see this grace, this mercy, this forgiveness of our God to still see through all the craziness that goes on, all the mistakes that we make, all the sin that we might commit and say, I still love you and I still want the best for you. That's phenomenal. Ananias came and obeyed and laid hands on Saul, who regained his sight and was filled with the Holy Spirit. From that point on, Saul became Paul. Again, I'm skipping through a lot of verses, but in that, in that time, if you keep reading, Saul gets his name changed to Paul and he dedicates his life to preaching the gospel of, Christ, of, of Jesus and spreading Christianity, which is phenomenal, which leads us back to his letters to the church of Philippi, like we already read. There's two things, if you, if you remembered that verse that I shared in the beginning of this message, two things that Paul said that I want to really highlight in today's message, if you are taking notes. It is from the verse, Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14. Two things. The one is, he says, forgetting those things that are behind forgetting those things that are behind. Why? Because he knew that you can't strain towards what is ahead if you are constantly holding on to what is behind you. That's just how it works. Number one, forgetting those things which are behind. And number two, straining towards what is ahead. I love the word straining because it means to make great effort. It doesn't mean just to walk ahead and keep going on God's plan for you. It means you are moving. It means that when, when you have a runner that's going and sprinting somewhere, it's like whether that guy lines up and ready for the race at the Olympics and he feels like, oh, my ankle feels a little weird. Oh, maybe my big toe hurts right now. Whatever it might be, he has to strain towards that goal no matter what and keep going forward. Despite the fact that he might feel pain, he might feel sorrow, he might be in grief, he might be whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you're feeling in the moment. The beauty is Paul saying there is action to go forward. You have to have action. You have to strain forward, which makes to mean, means to make great effort, great effort in our life. See, to forget something, so we go back to point one in that verse, to forget something someone has done to you takes one thing and one thing only. And this is the, where the word pardon comes in, which is forgiveness. Pardon and forgiveness are almost synonymous, and that's why my message title was pardon in the beginning. Because pardon means to pardon someone of what they've done, what they've, and, it's, and in another word you can say forgiveness. So the only way that you can forget and move forward is if you choose to forgive. Have to choose to forgive. But as we all know, it is so exhausting to forgive in the world that we live in. Sometimes you are with people that you don't feel like deserve your forgiveness. Sometimes you're with someone that continually just hurts you and you're like, why would I ever forgive you? Sometimes you're in a position where you're just like, I don't even know if I want to continue to do this because it takes so much effort to continue to all the time forgive no matter what. But the Bible talks to us about how often 
we should forgive. And I found it funny when Tamara shared during forgiveness 70 times 7 because we don't talk about our message notes before we get up on here, but somehow we always say something similar on the same Sunday between a lot of our pastors. It's only God. It's really cool. But Tamara said 70 times 7. 70 times 7. And so I was like, okay, well, where did this verse come in? You, we hear that first in Matthew 18, verse 21 to 22. It says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So now many people take that 70 times seven and instantly we are looking for convenience in the world that we live in. It happens all the time. We are, the world is continuing to just wire us to be in convenience all the time. So when we say 70 times seven, our first questions are like, is that a day? Is that a year? Is that per person? Is that per group? Is that per church? Like how often do I actually have to exert this much energy to forgive someone? And so I start to look through the Bible and we see in Luke and in Matthew, them say very, very similar things. And so in Luke, it says, uh, Luke 17, verse 4 to 6, And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Then in 5, I love this, it says, Then the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith, please. <laughs> Increase our faith. <laughs> I love that's the next verse. It's no holds bar right there. They're like, look, I can't do that unless, unless you increase our faith right now. Like, like, and let me tell you, if you have anyone in your life that requires you to forgive them 70 times seven per day, you might need to put some boundaries in in that relationship, okay? <laughs> there needs to be a, a little bit of boundaries in, in, in that moment. But so this verse is telling us that 70 times seven per day per person. That's what God is saying for us to do. I think God's just saying, look, forgiveness is important and it's a massive thing you have to choose to do if you want to live the best life possible. Because you cannot go forward, like Paul said in Philippians, with always looking behind. And that's why right before Paul says, and strain towards the future, he says, before that happens, forget what is behind you. Forget what is behind you. We live in a world where we always grab hold onto what is behind us and we hold onto it for dear life. It's turf control. It's like, this is my past. I need this with me. Not realizing that even if it's things that are good or bad, when we hold onto it too much of our, of our past, it gets in the way of where we're going in our future. We always laugh at those things where you go to your 10-year uh, high school reunion and there's that one guy that still talks about that one touchdown that he got in grade 12. Awesome, great, so good. But if you just forgot about that touchdown, it'd probably give him a nice, a, a nice enough time to go do maybe another touchdown or something else in his future that would be awesome for him to talk about. When you hold on to the past, you cannot strain towards the future. And God is calling us to strain towards the future. When we hear the best is yet to come, it doesn't mean that you're looking back. You can't. If you look back all the time when you say the best is yet to come, that's hypocritical. It doesn't make sense. It completely, it's opposites that you're, that you're doing. Yet the best is yet to come. I'm really excited for it. It's going to be great. I would have just walked off the end of the stage. I actually almost did. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Right? Why? Because I'm looking behind all the time. The looking behind does not allow you to look forward and continue to focus on where you're going and step into what God has called you to do. Forgiveness is huge. But in this, in this word, we see, and then the apostles said to, to the Lord, increase our faith. This is how important forgiveness is in the world that we live in, to where we go, to what we do, to what people have done against us. God's saying per person, 70 times seven per day. 
That is unbelievable. Someone most likely will never hit that. I hope, okay? Again, stop hanging out with that person. If, if, if you do, got to make that 70 times 7 because that's unreal. But the crazy thing is, is right after they talk about forgiveness in this verse, they said, increase our faith. Why? Because forgiveness and faith go hand in hand. In fact, your faith won't work without forgiveness, and you can't experience God's forgiveness without having faith. You can't. Because faith, you have to have faith in what Jesus did for you. He was the bridge to say, you are now in right standing with God. You are good. You're good to go. You're going to go forward. You're going to do amazing things. But if you don't believe that God's forgiven you for what you've done or, what, or the mistakes that you make, you're going to constantly look back on what you've done and never move forward to what God has for you in your future. In Mark 11, 24 to 25, I'm hitting you with a lot of verses today, and I'm going to be fast talking a little bit of the message because I realized once I got up here on first service, I was like, I have a lot, of, a lot of notes for a 30-minute message here, so <laughs> I'm going to do my best. But uh, Mark 11, 24 to 25 says, Therefore I say to you, and this is another reason for us to really grasp the faith and forgiveness side, another verse that really states that. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. That takes faith. To believe that you've received something that you might not yet feel. We talk about this with, with healing. We talk about this with, with um, a job that you're striving towards. Believe that you have that. And man, it's amazing what God will do with your life. It's faith. You don't yet have it, but the faith kind of goes into the, to believe that you have received it. That's verse 24. Verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So verse 24, we see it talk about prayer and faith. And verse 25, it talks about um, forgiveness, which is unbelievable. That means faith and forgiveness have to go hand in hand. You can't pray for something yet, yet be hopped up on the fact that there's some offense that you can't let go. And let me tell you, this is not just a good preaching point. I understand it's hard. I understand it's hard to forgive. I understand it's hard to get out of what someone has done to you and say, I forgive you. But it's a must in our faith. Otherwise, you will always be stuck where you are with your relationship with God, with where you want to go, with your family, with whatever it is. Offense, offense cannot live and, and, and be in the midst of your life if you expect to flourish or thrive. You can't. It doesn't work. Now, Jesus loved to speak in parables in the Bible, and he spoke a parable to his disciples about forgiveness. Now, one thing I want to preface before I get here is we see in the epistles of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus teaches a lot, which is amazing. But the one thing as Christians we need to understand because everyone always gets a little bit sidelined by when we hear like, well, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And we need to understand that that was Jesus teaching the disciples, teaching the Pharisees, teaching the people in his day in the Old Covenant. So if Jesus was speaking, that means the old covenant was the covenant that was in. So which means that Jesus was teaching disciples how to live in that covenant. And that covenant, you had to forgive to get forgiven. You had to sacrifice to, get, to be in right standing with God. There's many things we had to do to have a good relationship with God. But then Jesus died was the bridge for us to always be in right standing with God, and therefore we don't need to do something. Works don't need to be there in order to be accepted by God. So when we read the Bible and we see, oh, well, they won't forgive your trespasses if, if, or God won't forgive your trespasses if you don't forgive someone else, this is Jesus teaching in that covenant. Does that make sense? 
So we need to remember that we're, we are now in a new covenant where Jesus made a way for us. And now we don't need to have to do something to receive forgiveness from God. It's completely different. He loves you. He accepts you. He wants you to have the most best life despite how you live, despite what you say, despite where you are going. So that's where this comes from. Matthew, yeah, give Jesus a hand. And don't clap because it's a, a license to do whatever you want, okay? <laughs> God has a reason that he wants us to live a certain way. It's because you can live the best life possible. In Matthew 18, 23, to 35, this is a parable that Jesus uh, was giving to the disciples. And he said this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I calculated that. I think it's about $9 million of our money is how much he was owning. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all he had and the payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. They released him and forgave him the debt. Can you imagine someone owing you $9 million and you saying it's okay? <laughs> exactly, right? Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. <laughs> exactly. And you'd be like, yeah, right. But this master said, you know what? No, go on, go on your way. Now, this next little bit says, um, I gotta find my spot now. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, um, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, so way less, and he laid hands on this other servant and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. So this guy was just forgiven for his debts and instead went to a different servant and said, hey, you better pay me. Completely opposite. Now, so this fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Ouch, that hurts. Now it says in 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's where I prefaced this verse saying, that's old covenant. Don't get hopped up on that and go, we don't serve a loving God. This is old covenant. We are now in a new covenant. We got to always remember of covenants. It's great what Jesus did for us. Now, when that servant was called wicked, they said, you wicked servant. You know why? Because he didn't choose to forgive. Not only was he forgiven, he chose not to forgive. So God's saying, hey, yeah, we live in a new covenant, but he's still saying, look, I forgive you the moment you do something wrong. Could you not at least have the decency to forgive others that do probably far less to you and still not forgive them? It doesn't make sense. It's like always taking, 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 but never giving. People don't like those people, right? Like when you have someone that's stingy, that likes to hold on to their turf, their money, their cars, their everything, and doesn't like to be generous to anyone, those are some of the loneliest people in the world. That's just how it works. But when you're generous, it doesn't mean you have to have a lot. Some of the, the people that have the least, you see this all in the Bible too. Um, 
when you have even the smallest amount, when you're generous, people just, that just that fl- it flows through you and flourishes your life with people because people are like, this person's generous and they don't even have the needs to be generous, yet they have that heart of generosity. And this is what God is trying to say. This needs to happen. Now, this, this, this parable teaches us to forgive and to forget go hand in hand. This is where I'm going to step on your toes a little bit because everyone goes, what do you mean forget? I'm not going to forget what they did to me. That, 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 that's stupid. I'm never doing that. But listen to this. And it is those things, when you don't choose to forgive and you don't, don't choose to forget, it's those things that hinder your relationship with God, hinder your spiritual growth, and hinder who you can become of, with God's plan behind you because you need to be like Christ. When we choose to believe in Jesus, we are believing in the fact that we want to become like him. It's striving. It takes some effort. It takes some consciousness and and some planning to make sure that when you go through life, you become like Jesus. But that's the goal. We want to become like him. That's where it comes down to. Now let's talk about forgetting for a moment because it seems to be a topic of debate when it comes down to these forgiveness sides. Everyone's like, oh, I'm never going to forget. That that just doesn't make sense. But in Luke 17 verse 3, it says this. Pay attention and always be on guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins and disregards God's precepts, solemnly warn him, and if he repents and changes, forgive him. So what we're taught in the Bible is that genuine forgiveness always involves repentance. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is, the biblical definition for repentance can be understood as a genuine turning away from sin. And choosing to live a new and good life. That's what repentance means. It's the sincere desire to change your heart. If you're someone that always sins, always goes the way that you shouldn't go, and it's purposeful, you need to repent and say, no, I want to have a new life. I want to go somewhere new. I want to see what God's plan is for me. Genuine forgiveness always involves repentance, which means the other person is wanting to change. And that wanting, that desire to change and, and start a new life is where the forgetting comes in. There's parts and times in our life where we need to choose to forgive even, even though we know the person's not going to change. And in that front, I think it's okay to not forget because you want to protect your family. You want to protect who you are. You want to protect your business. You want to protect your church. There's times where someone is always evil no matter what, but you still need to forgive them, but it doesn't mean you got to hang out with them. Doesn't mean you got to fill your world with them. Doesn't mean you have to do any of that. That's the person that's going to be forgiven 70 times seven and then expect you to do it the next day again. That, I don't have time for that. But when someone comes with a genuine repentance of, I'm so sorry. I, I, I want to move on. I want, I want to be what I can be. I want, I want to step into what God has for me. That's where forgetting comes in because you can't always hold an offense that someone did over the other person for the rest of their life. That's not fair. That's not fair. We see Paul persecuting Christians, was there for the stoning of Stephen, and now he's proclaiming God's word later in the Bible because God used him still. God would have never been able to use him if God couldn't see past his wrongdoings in his past. That's just how it works. Now, so faith always involves repentance. If we believe in God, then we will always strive to be like Jesus. And if we strive to be like Jesus, then when we stumble and sin, it's not calculated or purposeful. It's just by accident, which means, of course, we want to repent. Of course, we want to continue to strive and be like Jesus. To forget is to understand this person who may have hurt you has repented and made a genuine turning away from sin. That's amazing. That's, 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 
championing someone to become the best they can be in Jesus. That's, that's what that is. We, we, don't be like a fool, like I always say. Don't be like a fool that in the Bible describes and continue to hang out with someone that refuses to change and always expects your forgiveness. It doesn't make sense, okay? Even Satan was cast out of heaven because of his inability to repent and change his ways. Like there's no place for, for just constant purposeful hurt. That's evil. That's what that is. We see that all throughout the Bible. But we as Christians need to realize our relationship with God can be broken or made strong depending on our ability or inability to forgive. Huge. It's massive. If you can't forgive others, you'll never be able to receive someone else's forgiveness. They go hand in hand. If you give forgiveness, it's easy to receive forgiveness. It's easy to be in a spot where you're like, yeah, I can understand this. We need to understand that our faith will not work without learning to forgive. And when you truly forgive, you forget the debt or the wrongdoing too. You can't truly forgive someone and then hold the offense above them for the rest of their life. This brings me to my last point, which is a massive thing in the world that we live in. Paul described to forget what is behind you and to strain towards what is ahead of you. And that takes forgetting. And we know that forgetting means forgiveness. We have to have those go hand in hand with the way that the Bible works. Now, when you forgive, everyone always talks about forgiving others. You can learn to forgive others, but so many of us right now sitting in this room have not learned to forgive ourselves. That's a big one. What you've done in your past, what the mistakes you've made, the things that you've gone through, whatever it might be, you need to forgive yourself because you've already been forgiven. God's looking at you going, you screwed up, but that's okay. I'm actually, I'll share a verse right away that God forgets your transgressions. That's an amazing place to be in because he doesn't hold it above you. He's saying, I don't want to hold it above you. I want you to know that you can still strive to be the best you can be and still step into this calling and will that I have for you to become the most amazing person that you can be. I'm not going to hold this above you. But many of you get that forgiveness from God but can't forgive yourself. In Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, this is God speaking, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. If he doesn't remember your sins, then why do you? Ask yourself that. Why do you? Because you remembering your sins right now is hindering you from straining toward the goal. Straining towards what God has for you. Straining towards what's next in your life because you're constantly looking back on all the mistakes that you made and not looking and focusing on where you're going in the future. God needs you to look forward and go. The best is yet to come requires forward movement and forward movement requires forward focus. Does that make sense? You have to have forward focus in order for us to move forward. Otherwise, you're gonna find and you're gonna stumble. We've seen how many cars in the ditch. Usually it happens because they do this. They look around. My dad used to always say when he was a paramedic, they'd always hit the pole. I don't know how that works, but for some reason, they always hit the pole. And he said it's because it's what they saw and they focused on. There's, there's whatever it is, 50 yards of ditch between each telephone pole, yet so many cars hit the pole. It boggles your mind. And the reason they do is because their focus is on that. You can't focus on something and not hit it. If you want to be paused in your life and not go on to what God has created you to do, then focus on your past. The devil wants you to do that. Because if he can make you focus on your bad wrongdoings in your past, he's like, yes, I'm winning. Because he can't step into what God has for him or her if he's looking behind him. 
doesn't work. God didn't say he wouldn't remember your sins or your iniquities for your sake. Do you see that? He said, for my own sake, I'm forgetting them. Although you get the benefit of that. He said it was for his sake he'll not remember your sins. Why? So he can bless you. Why? So he can help you. Why? So that he can demonstrate his great mercy and love on your behalf. How do you not forget on what someone's done to you and still show love to that person? It's either love or it's not. And God's saying, I'm forgetting it because I want to love you. I want to be there for you. I want to champion you. I want you to step into all that I have for you. And I know that you won't be able to step in all that I have for you if I hold on to your wrongdoings. Because if God held on to them, my goodness, we'd never be able to let go of them. Ever. Forgiving yourself is so crucial. And I really want this one to hit home for many of you because if we don't learn to forgive ourselves, we'll never learn to forgive others. We'll never learn to receive forgiveness either. You have to learn to forgive yourself. Some of you are so stuck in your faith, you are halted and becoming the person, uh, from becoming the person that God wants you to be simply because you've made a mistake in your past and you've received forgiveness from the people you wronged, you've repented, but still you can't forgive yourself. It's hard, it's easier said than done, but you got to let go of that. And sometimes the way to let go of your past is look towards the future. It's looking towards what is ahead. When we say the best is yet to come, let's practice that. That means we have a confident expectation that what's ahead of us is amazing. That means that what you think God's done in your life now is great, just you wait. That's what the word of God is saying for us to realize, but we can never look forward if we're always looking back. Always. Colossians 3 verse 13. I'm going to close with a couple more verses here. It says, bearing graciously with one another and willing to forgive each other is one Uh, If one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Jesus showed amazing examples of forgiving others. Two instances come to mind when I think about Jesus' ability to forgive and forget and allow for a new beginning in someone. And one of them is the woman that committed adultery that was in front, about to be stoned according to the law back then. It was all, all good to go. But then they brought Jesus in. And what did Jesus say? He responded with compassion and forgiveness. And he said to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. His act of forgiveness implies a willingness to let go of past wrongs and offer a fresh start. Fresh starts are amazing. And maybe you don't think that because you've never needed a fresh start. But now put yourself in the shoes of needing a fresh start. Would you want one? You would. You would, because that's the way that God lives. That's the way that God breathes. That's the way that God's created us. We need to know that the only way that we're going to accept and step into what God has called us to do and accomplish it is by letting go of our wrongdoings, because we're going to screw up. We're all imperfect. It's going to happen every day. But as long as you go forward knowing that you're not purposeful in these screw-ups, that's when evil kicks in. When someone chooses to sin and knows and it's hurting people, that's evil. That's a different side. That's why Satan was cast out of heaven because he had no repentance in him and he was like, no, this is the way it's going to be. See, Jesus offered this woman a fresh start, but do you think that she would have flourished and thrived in her fresh start if she didn't forgive herself? No. She had to forgive herself. Jesus Christ forgave her. That should be enough for her to forgive herself. 
that should be enough to forgive herself. Another example is seen in, G- in Jesus' interaction with Peter. Peter was one of his disciples that denied Jesus three times in and around the, the death of him on the cross. Can you imagine being a disciple, seeing Jesus in the flesh and still choosing to deny that you knew him, that you follow him of, of who he is? That would be unbelievable. Yet again, we see a really cool thing with Jesus. And this is out of John uh, chapter 21. Jesus reinstates Peter after his resurrection, despite Peter's denial. Jesus forgives him and trusts him with the task of shepherding his followers. You can read it in the Bible. In this instance, Jesus demonstrates another opportunity and ability to forgive without holding Peter's actions against him. Peter denied Jesus, but Jesus was, never viewed Peter differently because of it. And Peter was still able to step into what God had called him to do, which was shepherding his followers. Same question as the, as the woman that committed adultery. Peter would have never, never been able to do that if he wouldn't have chose to forgive himself. He has to forgive himself. The problem is, is that some of us, many of you, were raised with the kind of, without the kind of God-like forgiveness that we learned about in the Bible. You might have been raised by parents that never gave you forgiveness. They never let you forget your wrongdoings. You were befriended by people maybe that always held your offenses above you for the rest of your life. Forgiveness is a real life-changing thing that everyone should experience, but you've learned from others that you were just never worthy of forgiveness. And you've never taken that belief and applied it to your thoughts about yourself. And here you are stuck in unforgiveness of others and yourself. When we choose to forgive, it is amazing how we can step forward and strain towards what the goal is. It's amazing. Unforgiveness will always, always get in between you and your relationship with God. How can you focus on God? And that's why it says in that prayer, he says, when you, when you focus on God and you're praying, and if you have any grievances towards anyone, forgive them while you pray. Why? Well, you can't focus on God wholeheartedly while you're still holding on to an offense. You can't. Is it hard? Yes. Do we live in a world that is in direct opposition of us becoming who God wants us to be? 100% yes. No matter what. Everything. There, the devil is real. The devil has no power when you have Jesus inside of you. The devil's real and he's going to try to just get you off your rocker a little bit any chance that he gets, even if it's just stopping doing devotions every morning. Or maybe you give the, I'm just a little bit too busy to get into God's word. No, you're not. Okay? Whenever I think I'm too busy, I always think there's someone out there doing 10 times what I'm doing. <laughs> and thriving, okay? We'll sit the thriving in there so you guys all understand. They're not like going down this path you don't want to go. We can always wake up a little bit earlier just to get into God's word, because if we don't, we are always going to be in a spot where we let our flesh take over, and we get stuck in this side when God wants us over here. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we have to remember. You need to renew your mind. Everything up to today has been wiring you a certain way. The Bible included. The Bible can rewire your mind and your thoughts and where you're going and completely catapults you into an amazing future, but... People, poor, poor parenting of, of maybe your parents, maybe friends that you got, got, were friends with when you were growing up, they might have influenced you in a way that wired you something different. And in order for us to rewire, we need to renew our mind with the word of God. 
And then we can not even care about where we're going or what we're doing because we know that our steps are guided and where we're going to end up is going to be better than you could ever think of. When Pastor Leon used to say, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Period. Either we believe it or we don't. And if you're in the middle of the storm and you're like, well, the best isn't yet to come because I'm in the middle of a storm. No, the best is yet to come no matter what. If you're in the middle of a storm and, and, and I would say still walk around and say the best is yet to come. Proclaim that over your life. Proclaim that over your family. We got to speak it. Whenever you think of your wrongdoings, sin that you can't forgive yourself for, or even just things that you've done in your past, remember that Paul persecuted Christians. He was there for the stoning of one of the early Christian disciples, Stephen. Yet he still wrote this letter to the church of Philippi. When he decided to go, I'm just taking Christianity and I'm spreading it as far as I possibly can. And that's why he wrote this verse that I started this message with. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. This is, this is Paul saying, I'm not perfect. And I'm still trying to become the best person I can be. But I press on to take hold of what for, that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. Humble again, saying, I'm not perfect. But one thing I do, he says, is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Your relationship with God will be taken to new heights today if you choose to forgive yourself and forget what is behind. And step two, once you do that, you just strain ahead. You forward, just run. You start to realize that storms may come, but they'll pass. You might realize that you might be in the middle of something, you don't even know why it's there, but it doesn't matter. Just stay on the, on the line road of truth and realize that God has a plan for you. And if you believe wholeheartedly in that plan, then you're going to strain forward and nothing's going to stop you. It doesn't matter if you're a runner that gets that leg cramp, gets twists his ankle. Yeah, you might have to hobble, but you're still going to put great effort to get forward and that hobble will go away. Go away. Why? Because God's plan for you is so phenomenal that if we don't agree with that, then you're never going to experience it. We're never going to experience it. Man, you can't be purposeful and focused forward if you're always looking back. You can't. Forgiveness is huge. Choose to forgive. Choose to forget. Choose to just dive into this relationship with God like never before. Never before. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? No one looking around. You know, every single week at church, we always give the opportunity to give our lives to Jesus. Maybe you're watching in Calgary right now because we're live in Calgary as well and you're watching this and this same prayer goes to you right now in your seats through this technology. I'm going to lead everyone in a prayer right away. But before we lead you in that prayer, I want to see if anyone here just wants to give their life to Jesus. It's the best, best thing you can possibly do. I always say maybe everyone's Christians here. Then great. That means we have to start inviting different people to church because that's our goal, right? We want to continue to get God's love into every single person that needs it. But maybe you're sitting there going, I, I want to be a part of this family. I want to learn to forget. I want to learn to forgive. I want to just strive towards and strain forward, making great effort to just know that I can live my best life. You let me tell you, you can't do that without Jesus. You just can't. 
In Calgary, you'll have someone at the front right now looking for your hand, but I want to look for anyone here that wants to be included in this prayer to become a Christian, to just love Jesus with all their heart. And if that's you, with no one looking around except me and you, I just want you to raise your hand and wave at me if you want to be included in this prayer. Just wave up and look at me and I'll include you in this prayer. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So good. So good. Same with you guys in Calgary. Thank you. Awesome. This is the best decision you'll ever make. And let me tell you, another devil tactic is giving you fear in this moment right now to not raise your hand. If you feel that fear, realize that that's not God. God's the opposite. There's this peace that comes over you when you realize you're making an amazing decision. I'm going to look around for just a few more seconds here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm going to include you in this prayer. So good. So good. Thank you. Awesome. If everyone can repeat after me, thank you. Prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm following you in your name. Amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those amazing people that made that decision.